straight from the street. This is the Dish Doc EM Podcast, bringing you emergency medical education for paramedics, nurses, and EMTs. Here's your host, Owen Wood. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. So this is episode number five, and for those of you that know me, five happens to be my favorite prime number. So this episode is just gonna be epic. I've got a lot of episodes that I'm working on putting together right now, and for episode five, it was really tough to figure out which one I wanted to actually do. But something popped across my Twitter feed the other day, and it was a JAMA article where they're pretty much bashing medical students And they were bashing them because they weren't good at taking blood pressure correctly. Is it because they're incompetent? That's highly doubtful. Maybe it's that they just don't care. Again, highly doubtful. I'm sure that we could sit here and come up with any number of legitimate reasons why a medical student, especially a first-year medical student, is having a hard time remembering all of the tedious steps of obtaining an accurate blood pressure in textbook fashion. But instead, we're going to talk about blood pressure, how we do it, and the things that are making our measurements inaccurate. We can define blood pressure as the force or pressure that blood exerts on the walls of the arteries as the heart's pumping it through the body. The systolic blood pressure correlates with heart contraction and the diastolic blood pressure correlates to the relaxation of the heart. In order to accurately measure blood pressure, there's a few steps that you need to take. First is you need to ask the patient to remove any clothing that's covering the area that you're going to put the cuff. You're going to have the patient sit down with his back supported and have some way that he can rest his or her arm so that he is not using any strength to hold it out while the measurement's being taken. You're going to ask them to uncross their legs, and you're going to ensure that the upper arm, where the cuff is, is precisely at the level of the right atrium. You're also going to ask your patient not to talk or use their cell phone, but to simply relax. Once you've done all of this, then you're going to have the patient sit there, relaxing, quiet, for five minutes and then begin your measurement. Now, of course, this is not really that feasible in an EMS setting, but these are actually the recommendations of the American Heart Association for obtaining blood pressure to screen for hypertension. And luckily, in EMS, we're really not screening for hypertension, which the AHA does acknowledge. But in reviewing the AHA recommendations, we can think about things that may be throwing our measurements off one way or another. Some of the things that can affect blood pressure measurements are room temperature, exercise, alcohol use, nicotine use, background noise, positioning of the patient's arm, muscle tension, bladder distension, talking, cell phone use, observer bias, and observer inexperience. Now before we get to the observer bias and observer inexperience, let's just talk a little bit about patient positioning. In EMS, A lot of times our patient is laying supine or semi-fowlers on a stretcher. Now, simply by being supine, it's estimated that systolic blood pressure will read high by about 8 millimeters of mercury. 
Now, if the patient were sitting up somewhere with his back unsupported, that's likely to give you about a six millimeter mercury increase. And with the legs crossed, that could give you anywhere from a two to eight millimeter of mercury increase. If the arm that you're measuring the blood pressure on is lower than the right atrium, then the pressure is probably going to read a little high. If the arm is above the right atrium, then it's going to read a little too low. Now these numbers are not huge, but they do make a difference. So if you have the ability to get a more accurate blood pressure from a patient, then it's probably a good idea to do it. Observer bias. There are several things that can affect the way that an observer interprets a blood pressure. Those may be their impression of the patient, simple rounding, or you may have a protocol that indicates that a specific action will be taken when a particular blood pressure is reached. So this may sway the blood pressure one way or the other. And this is not to say that these providers that have this bias are evil or are trying to hurt their patients or disobey protocols. It's that they may be holding a lot of weight in their initial impression of the patient. So it's probably a good idea to consciously think about this observer bias as you're measuring blood pressure in order to keep it at bay. Observer bias really needs to be mitigated as much as possible because while it may seem harmless that you're simply rounding to the closest zero, this selective recording of blood pressure measurements may be associated with subsequent mortality. In the show notes, you'll find a link to an article by Wingfield et al. where they show how this selective recording of blood pressure can be detrimental and how much it actually happens. Observer inexperience. So believe it or not, there are some healthcare providers out there who have no idea how to take a blood pressure manually. Now, is this their fault? Is this their instructor's fault? This is probably not associated with being one person's fault or another person's fault, and more likely because taking a blood pressure seems to be one of those really basic entry-level skills. And it is a, you know, a basic entry-level skill, but it's a very important skill. And sometimes when people don't understand something when they're taking a class, they just pretend that they do. And then before you know it, they're riding a truck and hey, this is easy because I have a button I can push, takes blood pressure for me, and I don't have to manually do it. I don't think that these people are trying to be malicious by not knowing how to take a blood pressure. They just didn't quite get it, and they never practiced it after that. After school was over, they didn't practice anymore, and now they have no clue how to get it. But not to worry. If you know somebody that doesn't really have a good handle on how to obtain a blood pressure, I dropped a link in the show notes to a website that has an interactive tool that actually teaches you how to take blood pressures correctly. Now, even more prevalent than somebody who doesn't know how to take a blood pressure is somebody who is just out of practice. Obtaining blood pressure is a perishable skill. 
And in fact, the AHA recommends that retraining occurs every six months. So even though obtaining a blood pressure is one of those entry-level skills, it doesn't mean that we don't need to refresh on it from time to time. Now we've already identified that the way that EMS providers obtain a blood pressure in the field is probably not very accurate, but we do have something going for us. In the field, we're not really concerned about monitoring for hypertension. Our main concern in most cases is mean arterial pressure. Now we can take the reading from a manual cuff and plug in some numbers and calculate what a patient's mean arterial pressure is. And if you don't remember how to do that, I dropped the equation in the show notes. But as it turns out, there's a more accurate way to obtain the mean arterial pressure. And that is by the use of an oscillometric device. As it turns out, you probably have one on your unit. Every mainstream cardiac monitor that I can think of in the U.S., which also measures blood pressure, does so with an oscilloscope. I could try to explain how an oscillometric blood pressure is actually measured, but I would probably butcher that badly. So I've found a pretty decent YouTube video and I dropped that in the show notes. Now for some last minute blood pressure pearls, remember to take blood pressure in each arm. And don't forget that it's not uncommon for a patient to have a difference of 10 millimeters of mercury between each arm. And in women who've had a mastectomy, blood pressure can be measured in both arms, unless there is lymphedema. It's also good to remember that non-invasive blood pressure measurement is really just an educated guess of what the patient's actual blood pressure is. This is why serial blood pressure measurements are so important. If you identify a change in the patient's serial measurements, it's very likely that the patient's status has changed. And the last thing I got is there are a lot of people who say that a blood pressure cuff will work as a tourniquet. Now, I agree 100% that it will work as a tourniquet for maybe like starting an IV. Tourniquet to stop arterial bleeding, I think that's highly debatable. So I want to hear what you have to say about it. Leave a comment in the show notes or get up with me on Twitter, Facebook. Let me know if you think that a blood pressure cuff will be adequate to stop that high flow arterial bleed. Well, that's about it for the show today. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe in iTunes. And if you got a moment or two, go ahead and write a review. Let me know what you think of the show. Don't forget to check out ditchdocem.com for all the show notes and videos and links. And I'll catch you in the next one. The content of the Ditch.EM podcast is based on evidence, fact, and the recommendations of credible sources. Always refer to the protocols and guidelines established by your institution. The views expressed are those of Owen Wood and Ditch.EM in their entirety.